Hey, um, it is the beginning of the month, and d- it is December now. We should give a big end-of-the-year greeting and cheer and thank you to all of our Patreon sponsors and all of our PayPal donators for all that you do and send us, because without you... Brando and I would be sitting on a beach somewhere in Puerto Vallarta right now. <laughs> really? They're holding we'd us be, back? <laughs> we'd be drinking a margarita, eating some, some tacos. Beach tacos. Not street tacos, beach tacos. Beach tacos. We wouldn't still be here in snowy Michigan on a early December day reading scuba news and stories and jabber-jawing about diving to you guys. But you compel us to keep going. You compel us to keep at it. And for you, we do. So thank you to all you sponsors out there and donators. You make it all worthwhile, and uh, you keep us going. Big shout-out to everybody out there. That's a big heartfelt thank you. That's... um doubly from me like whatever james said double it just double it that's interesting because i was tripling <laughs> my, like my you like, were already the, just like the grinch my heart my heart grew three sizes at the, right at the so beginning that's of this six show. they're getting so six for me you're gonna double you're gonna double <laughs> you're doubling my tripling exactly they're getting six six size for the price of one that's uh that's not bad it's not a bad deal from the Great Dive Podcast. Get six, six, a six times heartfelt thank you from the Great Dive Podcast for your one-time donation. That's a deal. <laughs> double down on that deal. I, I say when you can get a deal like that, double down on it. <laughs> That's right. So, hey, I got a story for you, Brando. You do? That I think you're really going to like today. I like all your stories, James. Seeing as we've been, uh, well, we have been, maybe it's as we're getting a little bit closer and closer to the James and Brando rendition of Night Before Christmas. You know, uh, uh, these, me reading these stories the last couple of weeks. (laughs) <laughs> we've been getting some good feedback on them so maybe uh maybe that's why I, I i felt the need for another storytelling today okay but this one comes from an old skin diver magazine from october of 1966 remember like back those old skin divers brando when they had the the really cool old artwork on the front like almost like those like pulp comic book magazine art covers remember these oh yeah that was before my time even oh yeah way before my time but but you got your hands on a magazine like that oh yeah yeah along the years yeah i think that's it was that kind of stuff that drew me into scuba diving shock yeah because it's all it's all sensationalized Mm. you know the the magazine was full of spearfishing you know back in the early day i mean it was a spearfishing magazine originally right. 
That's why it's called Skin Diver. But the artwork, yeah, the artwork had all that macho, manly, good art, you know, and you had like whatever, just the the out of shape office dad sitting there reading it, you know, uh, on his, wait, on wait his lunch minute. break, you know, yelling at his uh, secretary to bring him another cup of coffee while he reads. You're the painting skin diver. quite a sexist like, picture, just James. Wishing and dreaming and and. <laughs> Like, like, just wanting to be these guys in this magazine. And as much as they had gear reviews and stuff even back then and talked about some travel places, they also had a little bit of, um, they would have their, their writers do a little bit of literature in there too, almost like how Playboy magazine, you know, you know the, these same guys would read Playboy for the stories, not the centerfold picture, but for the good <laughs> writing, the good articles that were in the magazine compelling journalism back in the day well that's when journalists were had some integrity uh but yeah that's that's gone that's completely gone but yeah i mean they they did sensationalize it a little well, bit that's now, a nice thing. now they sensationalize things that are, that are not sensationalizable you think and and the in the diving cool adventure stuff is downplayed it's boring you know what's you know what's uh, exciting now is some silly politics a little different today. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember. Well, yeah. And then, and, uh, and you actually had to be a journalist. Exactly. There, that's the key right there. Whereas today, everybody's a journalist. Anybody can be a, a writer. There's so much content on the internet. Well, a lot of self publishing, right? Right. Self published. Now, now you don't have to yeah. go and. Look at me and look at me and my crappy <laughs> blogs. There's people who believe what I say. <laughs> well, there's good and bad to that. It's a double-edged sword, right? It's a double-edged sword. It is. It is. It is great that that so many more voices can get out there and get heard. But yeah, they, uh, <laughs> but sometimes you don't want to hear all the... those voices, right? <laughs> right, right, right. This is a story that takes place in uh, Mexico. It's called. Ganchero. What's it called? Ganchero? Ganchero. Hmm. Say it again. Ganchero? Can, can you spell it? G-A-N-C-H-E-R-O. C-H-E-R-O. G-A-N. Yes. C-H-E-R-O. Very good. Ganchero. Ganchero. It's like ranchero, but with a G instead of an R. Ganchero. Ganchero. I looked it up. It said odd job man. Okay. Odd job man. Uh, do you remember Schneider on us. One Day at a Time? <laughs> no. Valerie Bertinelli? You don't, you don't remember One Day at a Time. What gave Valerie Bertinelli her start? Okay. Yeah, yeah I remember Valerie Bertinelli, but you I don't, don't remember uh, the... You don't remember what she's famous for, in other words, besides marrying Eddie Van Halen. But. Right, she's just a tad before my time. Okay, well, Schneider would have been a ganchero, okay? okay. He, was the, he was the maintenance man in the apartment building they lived in. Right, that's kind of like what I, what I picture. I'm a ganchero in this house. <laughs> That's the only time that I get right. spoken I'm, I'm to. Kind of a, <laughs> I, like a, in a, in many ways, 
in many ways, a dive master may be a bit of a ganchero. Not the guy who's actually a dive master. I mean, the guy down in Mexico or wherever, like just working on the boat, acting as a dive master, guiding a dive, but isn't really certified. But he's just, he's just, that's his job. He's, they need somebody to do it. He's willing to do it. Voila. So this story, once again, is called Ganchero. <laughs> Bucador John Steer joins Meat Diver in Puerto Vallarta. Text and illustrations by John Steele. Interesting, they start this off by saying, you know, they're talking about John Steele is the bucador. And he's joining just a regular regular old meat diver. <laughs> Who's the Mexican guys, the meat diver. But but John but John Steele from uh from New Jersey, you know, he's the bucador. They got cool words in other languages. We don't. We don't have anything like that, do we? Although uh, we do have a- we do have asshat. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. We had to make that one up, though. <laughs> that's that's creative genius working. That's all. But this is a good diving story from back in the early days of, of how divers became divers, and you know, traveling and. Meeting people in foreign lands and foreign w- countries where you didn't speak the same language, didn't have the same culture, especially back in those days where you, you really, you, I mean, you might be able to pick up a a travel book to give you some information about the whole country, but really learning the culture of people. Like, like now, you can jump on the internet, and in an hour, you can almost know exactly what your entire trip and experience is going to be you like. can pretend to be a know-it-all and um learn everything there is to learn about where you're going and then it's like well what's the point of going now i know everything <laughs> that i have to have you know learned on my own right that's well that's how they're trying to make that's how they're trying to make the world in many ways well dude you know, the, the the changes in Virtual reality and I was just augmented say, reality. V- and this new Web 3.0 coming up. It's gonna be. It's a strange time. I mean, there's. A, it could possibly be in you know, ten years. It's you know, diving it, becomes we're more fucked up than we are now. Primarily, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. With the way all the 3D imaging and printing is coming up, and how you can add that into anything like. Why would you really want to go get in the water, that cold shipwreck water of the Great Lakes, when I could just you could do it in your throw in on freaking some Oculus, I could yeah. do some <laughs> Oculus glasses, right? And I do it without all. If I want to skip the decompression part, I could just do it because I'm, you know, sitting in my mom's basement anyway, so it doesn't really. Matter. And then you buy one of those submersion tanks, you know, and you can just fill it with water and actually go in the water put the vr headset on and dude you're actually in the water and the input into your brain is all going to be you know you're there diving with the whale sharks and then when you come up and you want a souvenir say you're down in cancun or cozumel or what and and you want that sombrero you can have your 3d printer just print it off you see it 
boom, you pick it out like on a virtual tour downtown there in uh, Cozumel, San Miguel. And you say, yeah. oh, I like this. I like this sombrero. I'm going to bring this one home for my wife from this dive trip because she doesn't come with me. So you 3D print it. You never left the basement. You never left the basement. <laughs> right. It's, it's like a, we're in the Jetsons right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, remember, like, you would go to the fridge in the Jetsons and, like, whatever you wanted. It was, yes. Plugged it. You, you t- and then they, they opened the door and bam, mm-hmm. there was a turkey dinner. We're Just getting there. Boom. We're getting there. I, I don't know if that's good or not because it, it devalues a lot of stuff, but. Yeah. Well, this is going to take you back in many ways, but it's also going to make you think about our our current affairs. For the last year, we have been fortunate enough to live in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, a small town on the western coast, accessible in the dry season by jeep or truck, and at all times by air. My work is such that for many of my clients... The need for communications with me can be done by airmail, so the world was more or less mine to choose from as a home base. This guy's like the first like digital nomad, but it was like a typewriter <laughs> nomad. <laughs> you know, you know, like all like you can't go anywhere on social media nowadays with being inundated by like you could be working from a beach, you could be working from a ski resort mm. mountaintop. Quit your nine-to-five job. Exactly. Dream job. Anybody uh, hiring for that dream job, you can get a hold of me. (laughs) I had previously been to Puerto Vallarta and knew that the hunting, fishing, and diving are superb. The accommodations were good and inexpensive if you live there on a permanent basis. I spoke the language, so set up shop there. Like, you could have done this back in the day. I mean, you you had you got the little native uh, Spanish I have, uh, tongue well, there. Muy, muy caliente tongue. <laughs> well, I don't know when I get it. When I get submersed into it, I do. Uh, I could easily pick it up. But yes, I would really dig that. I would have dug that. I love the whole culture. I love the whole. I love everything about it. Yeah, the the especially that uh, beach culture. Well, you like that beach culture. I know you dig that. Who 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 cannot like beach beach culture? Sand between your toes. Water between your toes. The sea air. Jellyfish things. <laughs> peeing on your peeing on your buddy's leg after a jellyfish thing. I mean, Stepping on that, an urchin. That's like that that says dude, that says guy trip all the way. Yeah. Wait! 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 It's not for everything. It's not for a hangover, too. You know, you don't pee out for a hangover, too. Exactly. It's just jellyfish sticks. It's not stubbing your toe. It's not <laughs> spilling the coffee. It's nothing like that. Right. You know, as soon as one one guy in the group gets peed on for a jellyfish thing, it, that's the remedy for everything the rest of the trip. <laughs> Yes, it is. Actually, that's in the first first aid book for going on the trip is just one page. Guy humor. 
It's the best. <laughs> depends depends on who you are, who you ask. I think we I, I think we just lost I think we just lost every listener under 30 years old. Both of them. however this is not my story but the story of an underwater hunting art peculiar to the region and more specifically the tale of my friend Ramon Peña (laughs) the Bucador Sufis the Bucador I think you're getting a little Italian in there James They're much more emotional with their their statements, their language. Spanish is very laid back. The bucador. That's Italian talking with your hands. The bucador. (laughs) Not on Telemundo. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I forgot about Telemundo. This is uh, this is this is the Great Dive Podcast, the Mundo. <laughs> do, you, do you ever watch? Uh, do you ever watch Saturday Night Live at all? Because I don't. I don't really, but I've seen a few skits on YouTube. But they have that that uh, little parody of like it's a parody of of like uh, Telemundo. But uh, right. anyway, I haven't seen it anyway. in a while. But I think Telemundo is a bit of a parody. Well, of you would Telemundo. think, yeah. <laughs> Although. <laughs> We used to have to watch that in Spanish class. Suffice to say, I met Ramon diving and learned much from him, which I will try to pass on to you. Ramon. Ramon is a thin man, medium height, part Indian, and not very handsome. (laughs) He sounds like the everyman. (laughs) Right. He lives in a thatched hut across the river, and makes his living by diving. His equipment is simple. A faceplate. A huge crowbar for oysters. (laughs) It's a little overkill, isn't it? And a a gancho. He's also got a gancho. Why do do you... A huge pry bar? A crowbar? A huge crowbar? A huge crowbar How big of oysters is he getting? A faceplate. Back in these days, oysters were the size of small uh, buses. Like, (laughs) yeah, like serving serving plates. And you needed a a giant crowbar. Okay, no fins, no snorkel, no life belt, or any of the gringo items. Goddamn gringo items! How did how did that (laughs) How did all of those items become a gringo item? Wait a minute. Because Ramon, the Indian, only needs a faceplate, like a piece of glass with some, like, handmade. Well, no, leather I guess you could say that about all divers. Tied around with some, with some like uh, palm leaves tied, you know, to his head. Not a, not a void natural can, rubber swimming mask. I mean, he's got a faceplate, Brando. A goddamn faceplate. You know, you use that. That handmade faceplate <laughs> because you can't get anything else. But I think at the time of this writing, he could have easily went out and got a, a nice face mask. No? 
Well, you would think his I would say, buddy, hey, here, borrow mine. Just try it. Just try well, it once. <laughs> the Bucador, the Bucador John Steele, like, who's down there uh, freeloading from the, the Indian in the thatched hut, uh, you know, sitting, sitting back. He's got his typewriter on the beach. You know, back then, all those journalists had a briefcase, yeah. like, full of, like, a liquor cabinet. What like, do you mean back then? That <laughs> opened up and had the gin and tonic That's and ice fringe. and... Fringe Whiskey. benefit of the job I like right there. Uh, hey, no kidding. But I, you know what? I would like uh, from now on to, to add Bucador to my name. Can you, can you do that? I don't care if it's first or last. Yeah, of course. Like You are going to be from now on Bucador. <laughs> there you go. Bando. I like the way you say it. And, uh, that's uh, how I want to be introduced on the show. And meet Diver Jamesy. <laughs> Gringo. You forgot the word gringo in there, gringo. Bucador, <laughs> and gringo Lando. meet Diver Jamesy. <laughs> gringo meet Diver Jamesy. So, yeah, he didn't need any of those gringo items, but John Steele says that, but just as a set of lungs that enable him to dive to 70 feet and stay under for two minutes or more, putting his deadly gancho to work. What a picture you're painting. That's all you needed back then was base plate and a set of lungs. Yeah, you could get get the job done eventually, but isn't it a little easier? I don't need your <laughs> gringo duck feet. If if there were a competition, he would lose. <laughs> Is that a ping pong ball in your snorkel? <laughs> I don't need no well, gringo on that ping point, pong ball on in that my point, snorkel. I agree with our uh, bucador. <laughs> or not our bu- that's not our bucador. That's our ganchero. I know what you're thinking right now. Just like the, the people. What the hell's a gancho? Well, he's going oh, to tell us what a gancho is. I need to know what a gancho is. A gancho is a metal rod three feet long with a large fish hook tied on securely at one end. And a rag wrapped on the other end for a handle. <laughs> okay. That's it. That's, that's it. all you need. If you're a goddamn bucador, no, that's John all you need. John steals the bucador. He's the gantero. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and you said two minutes at 70 feet. I think by today's standards, I mean, people are going 200, 300 feet for four minutes. Everyday people, everyday right, right. Joes. Yeah, the change in human performance in this last decade is incredible. Steroids, I call steroids. Well, that, that's part of the you know the the connection of the internet world is like really helping doctors and researchers and you know people that are on the cusp of human performance just doing wild. X game sports of to feats that no one even thought possible in the eighties and nineties. That now your your first week of picking up a skateboard, you're you're in a half pipe, you know, ten feet over the lip. <laughs> so what do you attribute that to? I attribute it to two things, but I think uh the majority of those two things is mental. I think uh it was you thought you never thought you could do it. Most people never thought they could do it, so they never did it. 
but now they see other people doing it, so they think they can do it. It's all a mental thing, a mental blockade. Well, yeah. And I'm sure there's some physical, Right, too. and you see so much, and everybody's got a camera with yeah, them now, so you're yeah. seeing so much more. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's, I, I certainly believe that that's why you know, the human ability to tap into that flow state. Like yeah. We've talked a yeah. little bit about mm-hmm. flow in the past, right? Is growing so much more nowadays. Yeah. yeah they, uh, it, they don't take it on lightly, you know, take on a new endeavor and they learn about it and see what can be done and see what, how it's done. And, uh, they're able to repeat it. Yeah. I mean, for, like we've said before, you know, for centuries, the biggest wave ever surfed was like yeah. a ten foot wave <laughs> in, in Hawaii by by generations of people that have done it their whole lives, you know. But now big wave surfing is just oh yeah, the thing. It's stuff that was never even thought humanly possible. So for old Ramon here, I mean, for him, he's just out walking around in the water, you know, trying not to step on an urchin, and for him, just to right now not even think about it hold his breath two minutes 70 feet is you know just like you or i like getting into the car and driving to work right. it's just, you don't even think about it that's just normal the idea of the thing is to insert it into caves underwater far in snag whatever unfortunate dweller is within and drag it out he says i've been diving with Ramon, and seen him get lobster, octopus, and many fish. He swims like an eel, peering into crevices and grottoes until he finds game. Then he snakes the gancho in, planting his feet on surrounding rocks, shoots the hook in back of lobster or octopus, gets it set right, then pulls back, planting the hook in the joint between the tail and the body of lobster. <laughs> Gruesome. <laughs> Yank. Just that's how you get them right there. For fish, he uses a different technique. Up to 10 pounds or so, he hooks the fish in the bottom of the gill plate, brings it toward him, and with his free hand, places his thumb and index finger into the eye sockets, then releases his hold on the gancho. And grabs the gills inside. It's quite detailed. The description is it is it is this like a, a class kind of thing? That's how I would <laughs> have done it. I had done it. Yeah. <laughs> For really big fish, she says, Ramon believes that the mouth or eye, if possible, are best. As for fish, can only go in the direction of his head, so he will come out readily. I have nothing to say. <laughs> well, jo- well, John, John does. John says, "Brother, too damn readily for me." Brother, he says, "Some of those fish are pargo with wicked canines, and this is the part where I'll stick to my spear, not my friend who, avoiding the mouth of the fish, sticks his hand far into the gill opening, sometimes forcing it through." backs from the cave and holding the fish's head up, points him toward the surface and then shoreward. Just reaching in and grabbing onto those pargo, which I think are like snapper. The old pargo. 
So he just goes in there and just grabs them, just just rips them out by their basically by their breathing apparatus. Yeah, just gets them, gets in, them the, in the gills, just, man. Just reaches in and gets them in the gills, man. Not like Bugador <laughs> John Steele, who, who needs his needs his trusty JBL spear gun and tap him from six feet away. Nah, Ramon just gets but right which, in there. Which is more humane? Well, let's compare a that quick with instantaneous what, death via spear. Acme. Let's 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 think of like what Acme Ocean Fishing Corporation of Worldwide Fish Distribution is doing today. Where they, I mean, they're just going down and dropping a wrecking ball on the reef. <laughs> Nets and vacuum cleaners are sucking up every single goddamn thing uh, in a. 50 yeah. square foot radius. True. You know, accessible or not. So I know a lot of people are probably, if they haven't already turned this episode off from the gross <laughs> description, hunting terminology <laughs> and descriptions that I'm using are just like probably destroying the kids nowadays. But hey, the, the, the food that you're getting has got to come from somewhere. And yeah, I, I guess it does beg the, the, philosophical question is you know what is more humane the way that ramon is going down and ripping out a local native species of fish with a with a gancho hook to the gill uh to make just enough food for him and john to have a meal or to to, to sell the to put a couple of bucks in his you know own wallet to take home to his family or uh, fishing today so that any goddamn person in the Midwest of, of the United States of America can get some Cuban snapper fillets for uh, tonight's dinner in the middle of winter. You know, it's it's a it's an interesting discussion. I agree. I agree. Um, I don't know what's who's right or wrong, if there is a right or wrong side. But, yeah, it's. It's a good topic. I know, but so many people are so, yeah, so many people are so willing to just they condemn, get up, yeah. and stand for one or one or the other sides. In the, but I I agree with you. I don't know right. if there is a that's, right or wrong side. You know, I think that's a problem we have with a lot of things. You know, currently is it's very easy to to say I stand up for, you know, I hate this and I like that, but they they don't realize that. Everything you have is because of this, <laughs> you know, yeah, or you enjoy those fish, don't you? You enjoy being able to have Alaskan king crab here in Michigan on a Saturday evening, right, with your friends. Right, but I don't want to know how that yes. Alaskan king crab yeah, got without there. having to pay $5,000 for one, right? Whereas if you want to do it your humane way, it's very they're going to be very rare to have so yeah interesting question yeah it's it's a yeah it is it is great philosophical questions it's not like how we condemn split fins it's a little different <laughs> <laughs> listen if uh if split fins were only a native species not the that invasive species that they are that, that have just like so. they've like spread all over the world and people 
you know, people have grown to like and accept their colorful look and their flappy fins, you know, and, and their appearance, you know. So they've grown to be loved by people that just don't know better all over the world. But it is a bit of an invasive species. So y- in a way should be eradicated everywhere other than its local you're, environment. I, I you're comparing you're these, these split fins to the invasive lionfish. Is that right? Is that what I'm getting out of this? Kind of. Yeah, kind of. So we yeah, should exactly. have hunts. Like <laughs> we can go on a free-for-all hunt of uh, split fins. Yes, you can. You can email us at info at the Great Dive Podcast. Hold up a whole stringer of them. With a small small donation, we will send you your split fin hunting license. There's no limit. There's no limit on the take. That's good on any of the seven Cs. I don't know. How do we stop the spread? What do we do, James? (laughs) There was a time where, you know, there was a time when you would see them here and there. But. You know, divers like us just ignored what was happening and, and let them oh, yeah. spread. To each their own, we would say. Little did we know. Little did we know. And then now you, you see them, you're like, ah, it's, a, it's another colorful fin. Destroying. Okay. Destroying the uh, you reef. Know, and, then, <laughs> and it was similar to when lionfish first kind of showed up in the Caribbean. People were like, oh, wow, yeah. lionfish. Oh, it's another cool species to see on the, on a dive and take pictures of. Until we started to find out that they were decimating the <laughs> reef, <laughs> much much like a lot of <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> you did. You kind of just like walked into that without no without planning to walk into that. John says, "I speared a pargo." The shaft not penetrating deeply enough to permit the head to open. But the blow stunned the fish so that I had time to get him in my arms when the spear pulled out. He was a 40 or 45 pounder and while stunned didn't make any fuss. But he came out of it on the way to shore and belted me a few times with his tail. Hard. So hard. I turned him loose. Therefore, making me respect Ramon even more for his methods. Interesting. Do you feel sorry for him? No, because this was uh, back in the day where it was like man versus beast. Today, it's not man versus beast. You no, know, when you had no, it's it's. I think it's man versus commercial fishing mm, giant. Man versus. You know what I mean? Like, like they I say, they drop in a net and they would pull. Five million yeah. pargo it's out commercial of commercial fishing you know, vessel is, versus beast, <laughs> not man. <laughs> man yeah, is right, the commercial right. <laughs> fishing vessel. Yeah, because uh, right, this is a time where seeing a forty to fifty pound snapper yeah. was just you know Wednesday jumping in the water. You know, yeah. And when you look back in the old. In these old days, in the 50s and 60s, in these old uh, skin divers, you look at the size of the fish people were routinely pulling out Until of the Until they fished them all out. I, and Until I think those big ones, out, yeah. I don't think that was commercial fishing. I think, I think it was the wave of spear fishing. You know, like when you look at Southern California, of course, commercial fishing did damage it a lot. But there was a lot of spear fishing going on. 
Yeah. I agree with you. Uh, and in those days, I mean, spearfishing competitions mm-hmm. were huge. And it was about trophies. It right. Was trophy hunting back then. You know, it was just what's the biggest thing you could swim right. next to? And kill it. You know, and, and if, a, if a guy if a guy could have speared a blue whale and brought it up, yeah. you know, <laughs> they would have, you know. So I, I get it, man. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big hunter myself, but, you know, I, I can see yeah, both sides absolutely. of it. absolutely. I'm not a hunter, you know, a big promote, proponent of hunting for sport, but hunting for food like these guys are doing here. I mean, I, I get that. Try not to be that. hypocrites. It's a crazy philosophical yeah. debate, and I, I guess it's it's so easy for most people to just to j- jump on one side and never even mm-hmm. listen to the views of the other side. Well, I think... Just like Thank everything you. In you life just right you now, just right? took the words out of my mouth. I was just going to say that's everything right now. Is there's a, a big lack of um, well, there's a lack of conversation. Number one, nobody's talking to each other. They're oh, just yeah, screaming sure. at each other and saying how bad the other person is, and they're not looking in the mirror. So I don't know if we could all just stop being hypocrites for a little bit, all of us, me included. <laughs> I try to be honest. <laughs> well, uh, I think you should listen to your own words. I'm not a hypocrite. <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> oh, I'm no goddamn hypocrite. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that is that is the world is, right man. now, isn't it's it? It's tough. I mean, nobody wants to listen to somebody else's viewpoint, let alone mm-hmm. say that somebody that's got a different viewpoint from them has anything. Exactly. Right. You know, and, and not to go way too far off topic, but. It's everywhere, and I think it's – you used to be able to go to, to like, the media, the news, and objective, objective news, and see they would give two sides of a story, and that never happens anymore. It's, it's whatever that, that news oh, corporation no. side of the story is. The entire news staff will preach it. Yeah, they figured yes. that out years ago, how and powerful it, oh, that was. And that's been great for society too, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, it's yeah. It's, oh, well, it's boy, just yeah, like yeah. you know, diving. It's very divided in in many ways. You'd like to think we're one community, but there's uh, divisions within diving. So on a macro scale, just like society at large right now, which is huge divisions. Oh, you like red cars? Red cars suck. Red cars are the biggest gas. Co- they've they're the reason that the uh, climate change is going on. Red cars. Listen, I know your white car <laughs> uses a lot less energy, but you know it takes ten times as much energy to paint a car white than it does to paint you a car. You sound like a carist. Are you a carist? I call it carism. I guess some people might even consider us making our little joke about split fins there. Like we're just taking ah. one side. But I like to think that uh over the last thirty years, having used the original Yeah, I was split gonna say fins, we've used them. Yeah. And and many and many variations of over the days. I can come from a very logical and scientific perspective of water thrust and body mechanics to tell you why I don't use split. Yeah, it, so I'm I'm not. And I, I just think that it's a marketing hype. Agreed. That people have fully bought into, and and people without any knowledge and experience just going off other people's written word like we were talking about earlier how anybody can be 
uh, a writer and a journalist and an ad. Well, yeah, the, uh, yeah, people people are bamboozled by all. There's the information a lot of parroting going on, and and yeah, I mean the other side of it is you threw in the word science there, and and split fins stand on that podium of science, saying, "Look at our numbers, look at our numbers." But there's more to it than than that when you're when you're diving, right? There's more to diving yes. than and, just and science. I, there's an art to it. And I would say that the science actually, you know, truth be told, is correct in the way in the way that it works. It's just the way that you want it to work. Once you know the technique of movement underwater, you would realize that that's not the technology that you want. And it's so easy for people to get sold a piece of technology rather than have somebody take the time to right. teach them the technique in in this scuba world that we in. And are, it's are a very now. limited scope you can really use those fins and get anything out of them. Yeah, cuz it takes it takes time to learn how to do it right. with technique and nobody want nobody wants to take that time, which is why we've engineered something as flamboyant <laughs> yes. as a split fin. Oh well, hey but if if you like them, that's what matters. Just don't destroy the reef. At the end of the day's fishing, Ramon guts his catch, then walks back to town and sells the fish and octopus to the native families and restaurants and the lobsters to the gringo hotels. Gringo. Because you, know you know those gringos staying up in the penthouse of the... El Caribe <laughs> Ranchero Deluxe are going to be paying for those lobster. At times, he will take a dugout sailing canoe, sail all night to the Marietta Islands, arriving at dawn and dive for Lapa. These are similar to abalone, being univalves and having much the same flavor when cooked, but the shell is thick with no holes roundish, conical, and white. There is abundant sea life at these islands. The water teems with mantas, harmless enough, and large sharks, which gave me great misgivings. Ramon ignores them all, goes about his diving as though in a backyard pool. And when I tell him there is a hammerhead cruising around, he answers, Why not? It is his country, Juan. <laughs> That 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 uh, the accent is is spot on. Why not? It is his country one. I don't know. I don't know if if I were Mexican, if I'd be like somewhat offended. <laughs> you know. What do you mean? What do you mean? I've talked to many. A diver yeah, in Mexico. Talk, they speak just like that. On, You're absolutely right. Like You're that. absolutely right, and I am wrong. I mean, uh, you talk to the, the most of the guys working on the dive boats mm-hmm. down there in Cozumel. That they, they, rhythm. they talk with yes, a very cantor. Yeah. soft, slow yeah. rhythm. You're right. You're right. It's uh, like they like if it was me down there. You know, they would have Gringo. said to me like, if I if I was down diving, they would have said. I said, hey, there's a hammerhead over there. You know, I could easily see one of them saying to me, why not? <laughs> it is country, Hamas. I was waiting for that. That's awesome. Why not? It is his country, Hamas. Hamas. The only creature Ramon fears, with good reason, is the moor. Really? The moor, eh, Brando? 
Yes, really? really. Do you fear the moray eel that much? Well, the deadly moray. You're not reaching your hand into like blind caves, ah, blindly that's... just reaching into a cave in an, in the ocean uh, in a coral reef. When you reach your hand in a crack <laughs> and you don't get it back, that's a moray. Well, can you blame the moray? Can you blame them? No, no. Many times they come slithering out toward him when he has a catch, struggling in a cave on the end of his gancho. They tear into the flopping lobster or fish, twisting their bodies to develop torque. At such times, Ramon will surrender his game. He has been attacked a few times, once with success, and bears an ugly scar on his hand. I like how he describes that, that, that moray coming out and lanching onto the fish or lobster and twisting its body with all that torque to, to rip it off the spear. Because if you've ever seen a, a moray come out and attack, which I've, I've seen in, uh, in, the, in Pacific the movie Ocean The Deep before. It's, <laughs> yes, and in the movie The Deep. Um, I had this, this dive master on this boat one time had this awesome video of a, a moray and a nurse shark yeah. going at each other. And I, and I, I saw a guy with, with a video of two morays going at you each sure other. sure they weren't before. a couple? It is, it is wild. It is a wild, physical, torquing, twisting, powerful battle. It's like any animal. Right. When all you know is right. to live and fight. And fight and fighting living to, to live. Living to fight and fighting to live. Hey, so that scar on his hand, I bet you the, the old senoritas were all over to Ramon about that scar. Because you know chicks dig scars. And it... Oh, Ramon. <laughs> ah, it is his hand, too. <laughs> How is your hand, ah, Ramon? Ah, senorita, it is his hand, too. <laughs> I make it all better. It was nothing. Stanada. He was diving for oysters that day at Cabo Corrientes and was retrieving them from the seafloor to put in his bag. As he reached for one that was broken open, a five-foot eel with a body as thick as a man's thigh struck from a nearby hole. He felt no pain but just sheer disgust to see the heavy body attached to his hand, mangling it. He doesn't know to this day how he escaped, but found himself gasping on the surface, swam one-handed to the canoe, got himself aboard, and diving alone that day, managed to sail it back 30 kilometers to the town. That's quite... That I was going to say, that's of, quite a story right there. 30 kilometers. He had to sail that canoe back 30 kilometers on his own with a mangled hand from a moray. It reminds me of the, the, the story from that Ernest Hemingway story, Old Man in the Sea. Remember <laughs> the old man, right? He's out there for like days, like hand line yes, fishing, and his hands shit, are all yeah. just yeah. ripped and torn to pieces, and he just has to... Be there in the moment and not even care about it, not even think about it. He's just, it's just. That's, that's just what, what happens, happens to man. all men. You're, have you ever, pe- have you ever been married for thirty years? <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a bit of nature, right? It's like you see the you know the sharks swimming around with the scars of of some battle it took trying to eat, and you see uh, you know a hook hanging out of a 
of a shark. It, it's not sitting there pissed off about it. It's just it's hey, that's life now. Or you see the mangled up scars on the on the lion of what it took to win that battle for its last meal. And here here Ramon is, and you know that ripped up hand. It's unfortunate, but hey, man, that's life. That's what you get living the life I live. Like there's another interesting philosophical philosophical struggle when when here us you know when when the french fries come out <laughs> not perfectly crisp like in the tv commercial you know you you roll down the window and you punch the clown in the nose at wow. the drive through and you throw the bag at the guy just like working his minimum wage shift and yeah society uh you know uh civilization has really changed our our viewpoint we're angrier more often about silly shit <laughs> but but it all adds up you know i th- i think when you see the guy punching the clown at the drive through it's not just that he's mad about the french fries he's mad about a whole lot of things and the clown's going to take the brunt of it that's all you know oh yeah There's a lot of things yeah. to be mad about for that guy in Ernest Hemingway's book, The Old Man in the Sea, there's a line where he says, But man is not made for defeat. A man can be destroyed, but not defeated. He said, I'm sorry that I killed the fish, though, he thought. Now the bad time is coming, and I don't even have the harpoon. The dentuso is cruel and able and strong and intelligent, but I was more intelligent than he was. Perhaps not, he thought. Perhaps I was only better armed. Ah, the the time being out in nature to contemplate the true meanings of life. <laughs> Am I, as a man, truly more intelligent than yes. that beast b- before which I walk or swim or paddle or drift in the wind? Yes, I would say you are. Probably. If you're not, you're probably pretty. Probably, you got probably got a better chance of finishing (laughs) the Sudoku. I was going to say intelligence isn't the question. I think it's more of this is pure, you know, purely instinct for survival. Who, Who has a greater desire to survive? And man's brain works against them for that. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the cool, you know, making me, think of that Hemingway book you know it's that's that cool yeah. struggle that goes through the old man's mind you know for for days out there all by himself however that experience did not stop him from gathering oysters there's a good line in 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 that book about what you just said that's, that's the only reason I'm going to interrupt you he says he leaned against the stern and knew he was not dead his shoulders told him. So it was at that moment, the old man, he feels the pain in the shoulders, but he knows he's alive still. And that's when he, uh, he knows that he's facing a struggle that could kill him. But that's when he feels most alive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's an awesome book, mm-hmm. man. I remember Classic. being down in, yeah, yeah. I remember being down in Florida you know, just chilling on the coast, and mm-hmm. I saw that book. I was like, "Oh man, I've always wanted to read this." Picked it up, I and mean, I, I read it like that afternoon. Like I couldn't put it. That's put why it down. you go to Key West, and it's, you know, there's so much Ernest Hemingway there, and then yeah, and you yeah. you put the books that he was writing there too, and uh, 
it kind of gives it that 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 atmosphere that uh I don't know Keith, that's one of the things I love about diving and going to places like that is the, the this kind of person this kind of uh philosophical question is is part of the diving aura if you will right yeah no kidding yeah yeah and uh you kind of can get into that you know on a dive boat heading out to uh, like a big dive site i mean i don't mean like jumping on the the same reef that every Mm -hmm. everybody's doing just in that you know silly milk run you know day in and day out but you know when you get out to those like far away places or those deeper dives that there's there is more risk of putting your life on the line like the old man with his back against the stern mm-hmm. of the boat you know that does make you feel most alive and you know when you know that you've got to come up and you've got two gas switches <laughs> to make along the way yeah. uh, and you know you could be at a point of you know do i take nature does take uh, nature take me in a way you know you you put yourself in a place where you can have that philosophical discussion absolutely absolutely anytime you you face a struggle like that and that's i mean you get into even a deeper question here which is we are removing struggle so fast from a human's life i mean compared to to what it was but um and knowing that the struggle is what gives it its value things that are difficult are valuable things that are easy are not really that valuable and that that's a generalized statement. It's not necessarily true for everything, but for a good good portion, you know. I was just talking about this the other day. Rarity is what makes something valuable. If everybody has one, it's not that valuable. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. When you and think you're going to lose it. That's kind of what we were saying earlier with the way they're trying to engineer right. the world for augmented reality where, you know, I can put myself in Without anybody's risk world any without any risk only it becomes boring it becomes very boring and i I don't know if boring is the right word but it 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 kind of is it's when you 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 become bored with life you know i mean i i I think that's why people want to go into that world is because they've lost I mean, this is that not where technology is going to eventually yes. take all of us? It's scary. And there's going to be, yeah, it's super scary, right? Where all the the real heartfelt physical torment that, that real learning takes, that long-term process, everybody's ready to just skip it. For the instant gratification, the, the, James. The plug, the, yeah, mm-hmm. the instant plug-in and, uh, and software update. Yep so that they can experience it without really being there to experience exactly it. it's it's all all reward no risk you you risk nothing yeah and you get to experience to a certain degree i think it's still always going going to be lacking actually doing it for real for real i should say anyway i just saw that line i saw that line and uh i thought yeah that's kind of what you're getting at Back to Ramon. And <laughs> however, that experience did not stop him from gathering oysters. We have many in Puerto Vallarta, but small, so he sails once a week to the Cape 
or to Piedrabanca, where the oysters are big and delicious. He powers himself into the shallow water, five to eight feet in depth, and weighted down with his huge crowbar, literally walks on the bottom. I've been diving for years with him, a few times, but can't tell them from the rocks, so I merely carry his bag and retrieve them when he belts them loose from the beds. He'll get as much as 100 kilos, 220 pounds, and make them up into ceviche. I recommend this highly, he says. Ramon ceviche. Ramon's ceviche. <laughs> Nothing like it. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna tell us how to make it right now, and then this is and then this oh, is the okay. end of the story. So so the listeners get a uh, a double whammy. They get a twofer. They get a recipe, an incredible story. Actually, it's a threefer in our philosophical viewpoints. Yes. Hopefully, we just leave them with questions to ponder. I know mm-hmm. you like me, Brando. Love. I don't even know if love is the right word. Cherish but love. A good ceviche, a ceviche. Man, there's nothing like the, just the, the fresh deliciousness of a good, cool, crisp ceviche on a warm, crisp tortilla chip. Goddamn right. Is there anything more refreshing? That, and you got a Corona, Corona. maybe. A Pacifico. What about a margarita? A Pacifico with a lime. <laughs> that, what that about sound too some... Sangria. Uh, but if I'm having a, I'm having a ceviche. <laughs> if I'm having a ceviche, I, I'd, I'd like a nice cold Would Mexican ya? lager. Maybe a, maybe a negro. Okay. Modelo. I'll take a sangria. You want to know how how uh, Ramon makes his? I I do ceviche? actually. Uh, I do. Juan tells us right here. First, to clean oysters, you hold one on a flat stone, and then thin side down. Then bang away at it with a smaller stone until the shell breaks. When you have enough opened, remove the oysters with a knife and swish them in the seawater until clean. Ah, that's how you get some fresh sea salt right there. Ramon knows the secrets. He does. You cut them into pieces and add some sliced tomatoes, onion, salt, and lime juice. Then the juice of one or two jalapeno chili peppers and marinate for a half an hour. He mentions that ceviche is usually made from sierra or other fish and while very fine eating still runs a poor second to oyster ceviche. I think we're going to have to go get us some oyster ceviche. Man. The old o- oyster ceviche, is that the entire recipe? There's no secret secret preparation or... That's it. Nice. That's it, man. Just uh, cut cut up the fish, onion, tomato, some lime juice. Is there any cilantro in there? A little bit, little <laughs> bit of salt. I, I, now, I would I would throw some okay. cilantro, some some maybe some I some like black it. pepper in there. I'd actually uh, you know put a little bit more than a little bit of juice of the. I put the jalapeno. I'd, I'd, I'd dice up. Yeah, oh, I dice to. up some jalapeno in there. You have sure, to too. to have that yeah, kick. Yeah. So that I mean, this is kind of. This is kind of cool because uh, I think our listeners really get a kick out of this. They're getting they're getting a triple value today. A three for absolutely. They're getting they're getting the the wonderful storytelling magic uh, of James Jamesy James uh Gringo. 
uh, meat diver. Meat I didn't want to. I didn't want to say it, but you said <laughs> meat diver. If there's something that sounds wrong hey. about being a meat diver, <laughs> man's got to do what go. a man's got to do. You know, when your when your back's against the stern, yes. and you feel. And you feel like you're about to die. That's when you're the most alive. I like it. I was going to say. So we get those those sweet storytelling stylings of uh, meat diver gringo James, and then we get the philosophical uh, viewpoints. The philosophical. I don't even want to call it debate because it's more of musings. They're musings. It's a. It's a. Yeah. It's a musing. It's a musing or a pondering of life. Of, of of us philosophically thinking the, the big questions you get that out of this little story, right? And you get this incredible ceviche recipe, yeah, from Ramon. This is a threefer for sure. This is pretty good. This is this, this is, is called yeah. the people added value. People, this is why you come to the Great Dive Podcast. <laughs> for your one donation, you're getting a threefer. Exactly. So think about it, people. Just like we said earlier. See how it all comes back around? When you get into the flow, it all comes back <laughs> around. The, the world brings you right back around to the beginning. If you're lucky like me, old Bucador uh, John Steele tells us, you sit on the white sands with a Mexican diver like good old meat diver Ramon, eat ceviche, Drink tequila and thank whatever powers may be for the fine day's dive that you just had. Old Ramon's got a pretty pretty good life there. Yeah, Ganchero, the meat hunter, Ramon. He needs to be writing this down in a, in a diary of some type and, and publish it in his memoirs. Publish his memoirs. Story of a meat diver. <laughs> That's going to be your t- your autobiography, isn't uh, it? <laughs> Tales from a meat diver. <laughs> I never would have believed it, uh, but there I was. <laughs> well, hey, that was a fun little story. I like that one. I've, I've been wanting to do some of these old skin diver tales. Like their literature that they have, like uh, there's a couple of cool old ones that I've collected along the the way, and um, I'm glad we finally got into it. Um, a little bit of a change of pace for us, but on par with what we've been doing the last couple of weeks with storytelling. And I'm having fun. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Well, Bucador Blando, should we sign some logbooks? See, meat diver, gringo. <laughs> Dear Meat Diver Gringo, James, great dive, great recipe, and great ponderings today. Thank you for including me. Uh, let me see your book here. Um, ah, he was an old <laughs> man who dived alone on a skiff in the Gulf Stream. That 84-day dive you did without taking a fish. I remember those days, old man in the sea, <laughs> Brando Bucador. It's all Brando. about the struggle, brother. It's all about the struggle. All right, everybody, we'll talk to you next week. Safe Bucadoring, people. 
Adiós.